This season finale of When Nobody Knows Your Name is recorded in front of nobody. Hello and welcome to When Nobody Knows Your Name, a Cheers podcast. I'm John. And I'm James. We just finished our footsticles from last week's episode, Cry Hard. On to part two, James, Cry Harder, the sequel. <laughs> uh, have you got room for facts, John? Uh, always, James. Kick us up with a fact. The movie Die Harder actually aired after this episode. Oh, yeah. I feel like there's been a few cases of this where uh, they've titled an episode like a sequel to another thing. Yes. Before the other thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. This episode was released on the 3rd of May, 1990, directed by James Burroughs. The story was by Bill Steinkilner. The teddy bear was by Sherry Eichen, Bill Steinkilner, and Thief Sutton. And what an episode, James. What a finale. Finale. <laughs> if you were crying last week, James, you're going to be crying harder this week. That's the promise of this episode. Yeah. That's, a de- that's an order. <laughs> and uh, it's quite the episode, yeah, I, I do like, as I said uh, last week, I do like these two working as a two-parter. Mm. And I suppose, where should we begin with this, James? Because we could do, start with a bit of the recap of last week's, or we could talk about the cold open before then. Well, let's do it how it's shown in the episode. Let's talk about the cold open. We get we get some lovely Frasier moments. He's there, he's walked into the bar, and uh, Woody's got a bit of a sore head. Well, Frasier's asking for a cool iced tea, isn't he? He goes like, mm. just no beer today, just a cool iced tea. Lovely. <laughs> Woody's taking an aspirin because it's like, oh, my head hurts. Frasier kind of wants to, he thinks that the pain in Woody's head is maybe sort of, is he thinking it's sort of trauma and more sort of memory based? And he asks Woody to sort of consider what he was just thinking about. And he recites what he was thinking about, which was sort of some some childhood event. Uh, And then he says, then I bent over and when I got back up and he smacks his head on the the side of the bar. (laughs) I've done that. Yeah. I was in the flat chair, did that exact same thing, loudly swore. The landlord came in and went, you're right, mate. He went, yeah, just just head off the cupboard. (laughs) See, I've seen this about to happen, James. Yeah. And it made for what, I don't think it was an awkward situation, but I think it could have been because. (laughs) Just you there with your popcorn. (laughs) No, no. um, You know, like if if you see someone's bent over and you think they might whack their head, you sort of put your hand between (laughs) the head and the thing. The head and the thing. So as they got up, I just sort of stroked the back of their head. (laughs) And I had to be like, I I thought you were going to hit your head. They were like, okay, thanks. And I was like. Luckily, they didn't read too much into it, but it could have been taken quite badly, actually, couldn't it? <laughs> Just you gently <laughs> placing your hand on their head as they're bent down. I didn't oh, place I it on their head. It was more when they were coming back up. Yeah. It's <laughs> the fact you said gently stroke. <laughs> that there was some movement in <laughs> Not from my part. <laughs> but anyway, so Fraser does quite a, I'd say quite an accurate diagnosis that Woody has just banged his head. Well, Frasier doesn't die, you know, is that? He thinks that <laughs> Woody has some psychological or emotional or spiritual uh, dilemma mm. and that the thinking of this causes the head to hurt. Mm. You know, there's a school of thought that suggests that all physical pain, you know, headache, earache, stomachache, what have you. Headache, pay attention. <laughs> Thank you. Anyway, these people say that those pains are merely physical manifestations of some deeper trauma, either psychological, emotional, or spiritual. See, suppose you just relax and try to remember the very thing you were thinking when the headache first started. Then we may be able to get to the root of the problem. All right, well, 
And I was, uh, I was standing here and I was thinking about how when I was a little kid, I was the only kid in my town who didn't have a bicycle. Okay, go with it. I mean, all the other kids had one. Why not me? Excellent. Good to you. And then I bent down real fast to pick up a napkin. And... Oh! <laughs> I hit my head again. <laughs> So what do you think it is, Dr. Crank? It's quite a lovely moment. It's a little bit, it's, it feels slightly reminiscent of a, a coach moment as well, which is quite nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we know coach got a, many a fastball to the head. Yeah, lots of head injuries. Which found out if he was a batter, hmm. that's definitely not allowed. <laughs> You're not allowed to throw the ball at the batter's head if the ball hits the batter. Mm. Anyway, that isn't the bat. Uh, the batter can walk, you know. The aim should be that when they swing the bat, it hits the ball. But if it's so bad that, you know, it's hitting the batter instead, then pitcher's not doing something right. So <laughs> he, also, he also liked to dive, didn't he? He liked to jump in front of the ball like a He liked like to jump down stairs as well, didn't he? <laughs> Just... He actively tried to hit by the ball. Wasn't... That was the thing, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Ah, crazy coach. But it was nice to have a moment which sort of felt slightly reminiscent of him yes. uh, and some of the early days of Cheers. But as we enter the main part of this episode, James, we get uh, Carla saying last week on Cheers. Yeah. It's a shame they don't have, you know, the more creative uh, recaps that they used to. Uh, that's true. Uh, the thing that I did like about this, though, was uh, how they sort of, they at least scored the scenes with this sort of slightly military kind of... Pulsing, a, um, a marching type. Yeah, sort of marching music that sort of drove all these scenes along with a sort of slightly, uh, what do you call it, like urgency. a call to arms kind of thing. Yeah, and there was an urgency there. Yeah. yeah, almost, yeah, like that sort of rallying of the troops as we enter this episode, because we hear all about Robic's antics last week, how he's been discovered as a sort of, well, sort of using his relationship with Rebecca and using her to get corporate insight into the Lillian corporation sort of trying to a corporate takeover some dodgy dealings i guess you'd say i yeah i would say <laughs> after this intro we we get to see the bar sort of and this was quite unexpected for me because i thought it was going to be more of a sort of right after to be continued but there seems to be a little bit of maybe a week's time jump or maybe more because immediately the gang are going through the newspaper and are seeing Robin's face on the newspaper to say he's been uh, taken into custody. I would say it's been a couple of days, maybe. Yeah. However long it takes to put together shredded pieces of paper as evidence <laughs> and then make an arrest. It's about that length of time. A couple of days. But Woody seems slightly confused because he's like, that guy looks exactly like Robin. We should show him when he comes in. There's an innocence to that, I'd say. And they point out that the guy in the paper's name is Robin. And Woody goes, wow, even more of a coincidence. <laughs> You kind of see Fraser as sort of the leader of this a little bit. Of the what? Of sort of uh, the conversation in the bar at the moment. He's, he's sort of a key figure. He's, he's talking to Woody. He's sort of carrying that conversation because I think he's definitely got quite a bit of, maybe despise for, for Robin a bit. Is it the same sort of thing that Sam and Carla have where it's just that rich attitude? Mm, I think it could be. But I think Fraser at this point as well is uh, a happily married man. Mm-hmm who sort of prides himself on the values of being a sort of stand-up member of society, I guess. 
And I suppose it's he's seeing Robin as someone who not only is sort of rich, but also doesn't play by those values and is sort of, I mean, he's wronged Sam. And I'd say Sam's probably Fraser's best friend at this point. It's interesting you say that because in terms of the people in the bar who Fraser has had simple relationships with, because let's be, you know, Fraser mm. and Sam, their friendship started off in a complicated way. But I think Norm and Fraser have his, have mm. a respect for each other, you mm. know? But I guess uh, Fraser's leading the conversation because he's got an insight into prisons, as he used to be a prison counselor. Which I think to watch Fraser in a prison counsel in a prison counselling role feels like the spin-off that I quite like to see that. But he seems to have a real disdain for inmates and people who break the law, and he seems happy to hear that Robin's going to be there because he thinks he deserves to be in prison. My cousin mm. used to be a teacher in Liverpool. Mm. And she she took a job doing teaching things in prison because she thought it was a less stressful environment. I can I can see why. Mm. Because they want to learn, maybe. Classrooms are lawless though, aren't they? Yeah, well, prisons do have some sort of laws, I guess. But, you know, in prison, I say this like I've been there, but from what I can tell from the media, when you go to classes in prison, it's usually optional and mm. therefore you're there because you want to learn a certain thing, mm. you know. You're not there because you're less than 18 and state mandates you have to learn it, mm. you know. Fraser's actually really surprised in a second because someone walked through the door, James, that he wasn't expecting to see. Is it Robin? It's Robin. Ugh. And I, I suppose this is uh, maybe a comment on uh, how, how the rich circulate and uh, negotiate systems. Monopoly rules, isn't it? Pay 50, yeah. get out of jail free, boom. He's out on bail. Uh, because it was a first-time offence, and he's got money. I mean, I think we can just leave that hang in there for a second. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he talks quite openly about how he thinks he's going to get off with it, really. He's with Rebecca as well at the time. Rebecca still hasn't left him, despite all of this. Frasier, I think we should play the quote from Frasier, actually. Good morning, everyone. Well, Mr. Colcord, what a surprise. I hate to bring up a sensitive subject, but shouldn't you be receiving love letters from a certain one-eared gentleman named Turk about now? <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, oh, you're referring to my arrest. Uh. Doesn't hold back, does he? He does not hold back. There's this sort of slight era in the bar of Robin's going to get what's coming to him. Yes. I don't really want to elaborate too much more about what they think that is. <laughs> yeah. However, he goes off to, to go speak to his defence lawyers for strategy. No one in the bar knows who whistleblowed on Robin. Here's a fact about whistleblowers. Hmm? Mm. Regardless of one's political opinion on, on this, it is a fact, right? Mm. So, you know, at universities, they have vectors, like student vectors, you know? Mm. Yeah. At my alma mater, Edward Snowden was the director while I was there, but while he was still in exile. I find that funny. <laughs> it's, it is a fact. I'll be honest, James, I didn't see that fact coming. No, neither did we when uh, we were told. And we went, isn't he not allowed to leave whatever other country he's currently in? Uh, well, yeah, so uh, Rebecca's kind of one ear to the ground to kind of find out who the whistleblower is. I would think she would put two and two together considering she left Sam in head office and ran off with Robin. But she hasn't at, the, at this point. 
Sam does enter the bar, Robin leaves, and after Robin leaves, uh, Rebecca shows that her confidence in Robin getting off with it is very thin. In fact, she doesn't think he's going to get away with it at all. But despite this, is actually prepared to spend 20 years visiting him in prison and having a sort of relationship through the prison system, I guess, and visitations. He might get a nice prison. Like an Italian job. Isn't the uh, big boss an Italian job? Doesn't he have like a cushy prison deal going on? Yeah. Yeah, there you go. I, I, don't, I don't picture Robin like doing a Goodfellas where he's got like a razor, he's chopping garlic and making spaghetti though. Oh yeah, no. Well, considering what we saw last week, he's going to have a... His little robot. Beans on toast and he, <laughs> get me my robot now. I know I'm in prison. <laughs> yeah, he probably would take advantage of the prison system if he does, does go down for it. But... Rebecca has little faith in this. She talks to the rest of the bar quite openly about this and is quite sad about it, understandably about, uh, understandably from her perspective. I think something this episode does, it does take the Rebecca character past um, kind of a redemption of sanity because she forgives Robin quite a lot. It's a question I have, and it's not a question I have specifically about Rebecca. Mm. It's a question... I have about any character which is self-admittedly in love with another character and what they would be willing to forgive. Right. There's an old Groucho Marx quote, which is, I'm quoting from Annie Hall where Woody Allen quotes the Groucho Marx quote, so I might be mistaken. This guy goes to a psychiatrist and goes, you got to help me, Doc. My brother thinks he's a chicken. He goes, um, well, why don't you... Uh, bring him in. We'll sort that right away. It's like, oh, I'd love to duck, but we need the eggs. <laughs> Which, you know, as of recording, it's poignant. In the UK, eggs, ooh, price of <laughs> eggs these days. But <laughs> my point is, in Annie Hall, Woody Allen goes on to say, and that's a similar, I can compare that to love. It's totally irrational, crazy, and absurd, but we go through it because we need the eggs, you know? Mm. We go, we go through it because we need some sort of validation. We need some sort of confidence, push, and sense of meaning, you know? Mm. So it's a, it's, a, it's a question I have often wondered about characters, both in TV shows and, you know, friends, I suppose, mm. people I know. But I suppose that's the, that's the nature of sitcoms sometimes. You develop characters over such a long period of time and you push them sometimes to the limits, especially in a finale because we're so sort of in love with the characters and know the characters so well, we we do understand Rebecca's reasoning behind this. After seeing her for three seasons now, it does make sense in her character. We're just sat there going, why? Why though, Rebecca? There's a dramatic irony there, yeah. But um, she does leave the main bar to go to the office, I think. to, to I think she says she's going to fix herself up because she's been crying. It makes her puffy, I think. But after she leaves, it leaves Sam and the rest of the sort of main members of the bar just in the main area. And uh, our old head head chair from last week's episode. Big chair. Big chair. <laughs> Jim Montgomery comes into the bar and uh, he wants to thank Sam. And this is, uh, this is a lovely moment, James. Big news, isn't it? Arguably, we've been waiting maybe three seasons for this. Yes. Yes, we have. Certainly this series has built up to this moment for a while when Sam sort of put his flag in the ground and said, my dream is to buy back Cheers. 
and then Robin screwed him right over. Well, I mean, it's it's a path that Robin set him on when he mm-hmm. made him not buy his own place alternatively and said, oh, you really want cheers? And he, he screwed over Sam and Sam... Screwed over him right back. Not yeah. necessarily screwed him over because he just did the right thing. But it's worked in Sam's favour because... I want to use that phrase. I did the right thing. It just happened to work in my favour. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Montgomery comes over to cheers uh, to sell the bar back to Sam. Is this your bar, son? Here you go. <laughs> And as a thank you from the corporation, he, they'd say they'll sell it back to Sam for $1. I wish they did more with this moment. So what does play out is Sam doesn't have a dollar to hand and sort of goes around the bar and crowdsources a handful of change and says, will this do? And Mr. Montgomery says, of course. And then Sam goes, I lowballed him. I love, <laughs> I, I love that moment. Hey, guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's all the business classes has been taken. He's learned. But what I wish happened was a sort of knowing wink to the dollar that Robin gave him. Oh, when when he said, a, you know, month's wages or whatever. When he won the dollar bet. Well, yeah, it wasn't a dollar bet. It was, no, it was a dollar bet initially. And they did the sort of, the singing through the bar as he won that dollar. And I think that would have been such a poignant moment if it was that dollar that bought back the bar. Yeah, I do like the lowballing though. <laughs> <laughs> I do like that as well. But I think there would have some, like, if, if he sort of went, I've got a dollar and sort of, I think that would have been a nice sort of poetic justice to that, where uh, Robner tried to dupe him, and in the end, that's all Sam needed. So, so like, if in an earlier episode, he almost famed it as a trophy. Yeah. And then he went and went, oh, I've got one, sorry, and, and bought the, the famed dollar. Mm. Speaking of things which only cost a dollar, I'm not, I'm not plugging merch. <laughs> um, <laughs> we did that last, last week. Are you aware of Stephen King's dollar babies? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I I find it interesting, and you know I think some of our listeners might be interested in this opportunity too. I'm not sponsored by Stephen, <laughs> <laughs> um, but basically Stephen King has written a lot of short stories, and the ones which he still owns the rights to, so Shawshank Redemption isn't on this list because Frank Darabont directed it, became you know very good film, but the ones which have not done so. You can pay him a dollar to make a film based on them. With the only caveat being that they cannot be freely accessible internationally. See, so you two out there can get quite a bit for a dollar. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, you can make as many Stephen King films <laughs> as you like. You just can't publicly show them to anyone. So Sam's got the bar, which is a sort of a, a massive moment in Cheers. It's kind of, if I'm honest... Underplayed. Yeah, I wasn't expecting it to come in this episode. And when it did come, I was a bit shocked. And I think the rest of the bar are quite taken aback by it as well, because Sam's quite frantic as he jumps around the bar trying to crowdsource some change. And when he says to Carla, I've bought the bar back, it's that sort of moment of she going... What? And there's a huge amount of pride from the rest of the, the group and they start chanting, Sammy's got the bar back. They pick him up on, the, on their shoulders and sort of parade him through the bar and it's a huge victory for him. What I also like is that in the crowdfunding of change to get it back, it's like the community bought back the bar mm. as opposed to just one individual. And I think that's nice. Mm. Yeah, that is. But they've all got a claim on it now, you know. Apart from Woody, who went, "I owe you a dollar before. You're not getting another <laughs> one." <laughs> I see you, Sam. <laughs> Woody could have been the proud owner of of the bar, you know. 
<laughs> oh, cheese is on sale for a dollar. I'll buy it for a dollar. <laughs> in this joyous sort of moment of everyone saying Sammy's got the bar back, Rebecca comes out of the bathroom to see this sort of parade of Sam being sort of glorified in the bar with uh, initial confusion. And then Montgomery turns uh, just before leaving the bar and says, you're welcome. It's the least we can do for the man who gave us Colcord. And uh, yeah, <laughs> Rebecca's, uh, Kirsty Alley as Rebecca does this sort of very intimidating voice, uh, which yeah. is sort of, it, it feels slightly like she's been possessed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you turned Robin in. You are a dead man, buddy. You are a dead man. Sammy, Sammy is, is a dead, dead man. man. Well, they changed their tune, didn't they? Mm. And it's it's a huge. Well, Sam still seems fairly happy, uh, <laughs> I, but I think the thing is, he has done the right thing. Uh, as much as Sam has been sleazy or manipulative at times. I do think in this situation he's done the right thing and it's brought him what he wanted most in this world, you know. But we see later as well, um, Sam says, my bar, it's my bar, my glasses, my tables, and then goes, my, my, uh, as he sees a woman walk past. And you kind of get this sense of he's back, he's got his bar back and he's sort of almost reinstated or feels complete or more confident or he was missing a piece of himself when he, he was didn't own the bar. I think the other thing alongside that is Carla's pride for him as well, because in earlier seasons, so much of her identity was sort of wrapped around her admiration for Sam, maybe? Yeah, and she, think, was there when Sam bought it. I assume she was working for the previous owner. And they have sort of this long-lasting relationship which has revolved around this bar, and for the majority of it, he was owner. And she didn't particularly like it when uh, it got taken over. For a long time, she didn't particularly like Rebecca. And I think she's quite pleased to see Sam back as the owner. And as is everyone else, I think I think it's Norm who says the beer tastes better, the cushions, the, the stools are more comfy. They're seeing the world in a new light, I guess. Maybe a nostalgic light as well. Frasier? Oh, he's been celebrating. <laughs> Can't stop him. He's had a few too many. Delightful moment where Frasier meets an old friend. Woody finds the old friend. You know who I'm hinting at? No, this is lost on me, James. Dave. Woody and I are so happy to be working for you again. And we're not the only ones. Yeah. Uh Hey, Dave! (laughs) I missed you, Sammy. (laughs) Yeah, I missed you too, Dave. (laughs) Actually, that was me, Sam. Sam, uh, I'd like to uh, apologize for my earlier outburst there. I guess I just got a little over-emotional. Dave. (laughs) Is that Dave? (laughs) Dave's back. I love you, Dave. You're riding on the hood. Dave the Moose. Ah, gosh, I forgot. Yeah, it's those sort of icons which come back out into the bar, like Dave the Moose, and we see um, Sam putting his old picture back up. Which is, is supposed to be him pitching, isn't it? It's supposed to be him. It's a picture of another baseball player. Mm. But we get to see some of these uh, sort of iconic parts of the bar, which have been missing for about three years. And I'll tell you, because we've been doing this weekly, mm. I did feel a wave of nostalgia. Obviously, when this aired, it was years since people last saw them. So they were like, mm, okay. But because we've been doing this weekly, and it, for us, it's only a year and a half, year and a half, two years. 
it's been that long since season five jeez a <laughs> <laughs> uh, year and a half uh, two years but i did feel you know some nostalgia being like oh i remember that photo yeah yeah <laughs> but amongst all of this uh wave of nostalgia coming back rebecca feels like it's time to leave understandably there is an interesting moment where she initially sort of, nah, not necessarily slags off Carla, but sort of to Sam says, not hugely something complimentary about Carla, but kind of realises what she says and then actually says quite a nice goodbye to Carla. Trampy waitress. I think Carla would be almost flattered. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think after that, she does sort of say this nice goodbye to Carla, which we have seen quite a lot of nice moments between the two of them through the series and how their relationships bonded. Cause they've kind of at times had this pact where they've sort of shared secrets when Sam sort of tried to do something slightly malicious or sneaky. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so that was quite nice to see, but just before Rebecca does leave, what happens, James? She tries to take a box of stuff. Oh yeah. I didn't even think of that. She tries to make off with a load of, uh, loads of stationery. Woody's not having it. I mean, let's be honest, who, when they've left the job, hasn't tried to take some stationery? We've had a colleague who we shall not name, but who freely <laughs> admitted on their, on their like, leaving gathering that you get in these offices, you know, where they're like, oh, we're saying goodbye to this person. It's, uh, it's great to have you aboard. They openly went, thanks, I'll be taking the pens. <laughs> what a speech. Do you know, I like how James, I went, oh, and something happens after that. And you went, ah, oh, she was taking some stationery. But what I meant was the FBI jump in the building. <laughs> Who's taking stationery? <laughs> FBI, stationery police. <laughs> the FBI burst into cheers, looking for Robin Colcourt because he's uh, skipped bail. And uh, they're sort of prepared to search cheers, but nobody knows anything about that. Rebecca's quite upset about it. She's been faxed. I think she's been faxed, what he says. Or wired? She's got a message. She got a message, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> From Robin. Uh, and it's not good. Now he basically went, goodbye forever, I'm off to Switzerland. He doesn't even say that. It says, dear Rebecca, goodbye forever, Robin. It's uh, the Switzerland stuff we find out from the FBI because uh, he's wired all of his money over to Switzerland. He's flown his private jet out of American airspace. Yeah, that's about it. He's not coming back. Oh, I don't know. These billionaires and their Switzerland trips. <laughs> I've not been to Switzerland, but it seems nice. <laughs> I think I'd fit in quite well in Switzerland. I went to Iceland and people kept speaking to me in Icelandic and I had to disappointingly, you know, because I'm because I'm, I'm, I'm blonde and they thought I was one of them. And I had to disappointingly keep saying, I'm sorry, I have no idea what you're saying, which I think was the most common phrase of that trip. <laughs> But the happy hours are 12 till 9. Well, hey. <laughs> That's just a happy day at that point. You've got more hours in happy that hour than outside. I don't That's think why everyone know. in Iceland is so happy. I yeah. feel like that's just sad hours, which are, <laughs> which are like nine <laughs> onwards. <laughs> Disappointing hours. <laughs> <laughs> but while talking of disappointment, this fax gives Rebecca... Well, it sort of puts her in a downward spiral and... Not much really can bring her out of this because beyond this, she gets more disappointing news in the facts. She's been fired as well. Ugh, insult to injury. Which I think, is, to be fair, is sort of expected considering... Yeah, she's dating the enemy who's been arrested. She is complicit, you know? She knew. Yeah. And because she wasn't the one who told them, you kind of understand. Like, if, if, you, didn't, if you didn't murder someone, but you helped them get rid of the body, you're complicit. Accessory. Yeah, she's an accessory. An accessory to insider trading. 
but also it's her password, so I don't think it would look good anyway. No one would buy the accessory puck. It's been there from the beginning. But they uh, they fire her. She assumes it's off that, and Woody goes, "No, no, they they, uh, they just didn't care for your work anyway." <laughs> so, <laughs> and Sam, I think in a very honest and sort of olive branch kind of scenario, offers her a, a job, much like the beginning of Cheers, as as a waitress, and says Carla could train her, which provides a great scene from Real Pearlman. You're out of a job. I need a waitress. You like the people here. You think that they like you. <laughs> I think there's something about a, a, a pagan beast as well at some point. In this scene with Rebecca, there's a lovely moment where Sam says, Carla could train you. And over the shoulder of Sam, you see Rhea Perlman do like a, a sort of witching cackle. cackle going. <laughs> this is Sammy talking to you. As long as I got a bar, you, you got a place to work. No, I don't think I could go back to managing this bar. Oh, no, I wouldn't want you to. No, I, I was thinking more of you being a waitress. A waitress? Yeah, Carla could train you. <laughs> but Rebecca does take the job, and it yeah, seems she learns from from Carla well, to be fair. Yeah, but she bursts down crying. <laughs> <laughs> she bursts down crying, shares all of her life problems with patrons at the bar, and then throws a drink at any man, to which Carla does as well. Well, all we know is that Carla threw a drink at one man. Yeah. He could have made a disparaging comment against a drink he could have said something supportive for the yankees doesn't take much to bow carla does it well uh, woody says she's just mean <laughs> <laughs> but um what this does lead to is sam asks rebecca to come into her office because of this i'm pretty sure she throws a couple of drinks at sam it builds up to what i would say is quite a good back and forth of pent-up anger maybe frustration yeah frustration i think is the correct word because you know two types of frustration Mm. Mm. Uh, and it's quite reminiscent of as we said the end of the, the end of season one with the sort of back and forth of sam and diane but sam says stop it i'm not robin i'm not the one doing these things to you and it, it goes on from there, and I think we'll probably play it, to be fair. What are you going to do, fire me? No, wait, 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 I got a better idea. Tell me you love me, ask me to marry you, skip the country, and then fire me. Hey, stop it! I am not Robin, I'm not doing those things to you. You know something? I am sick of getting kicked in the teeth because someone else dumped you. Well, I'm sick of getting dumped! I'm sick of you getting dumped! You know something? You know what I'm really sick of? Your own face! No, I'm sick of you. I'm sick of you getting angry at me when all I'm trying to do is help you. He has grown up, hasn't he, R. Sam? He has done, yeah. He seems a, a lot more sort of um, measured. Yes. And Re- Rebecca is kind of... We said she's in a downward spiral. Uh, but she does say, amongst all of this, uh, the man she's been pushing away all these years is right here caring for her now, giving her a shoulder to cry on. Aww. Quite poignant. I, I think nice. And when you consider at the beginning of this series, Sam was going to go in and, and tell Rebecca that he cared about her and these kind of things, it, it does feel like a sort of building up to that moment. But Rebecca kind of says, take me, Sam, essentially. Yes, very true. Which, well, they they kiss and then someone shows up. Robin makes an unexpected return. Un- unexpected and unwelcome. I mean, he does say a, a quote, which is, what use is his money or his freedom if he doesn't have the woman he loves? It would be nice coming from someone else, but we don't believe you. I think that's it, isn't it? He's done too many wrongs to to make this feel genuine now. Yeah. But uh, I tell you what, I wasn't expecting Robin to be beyond this season, if I'm honest. I thought he was going to be the bad for the season and, and be gone from there. But we're left with a cliffhanger. 
Yeah, because he walks into the office, sees something, and goes, oh, my God. And we can only assume. Yeah. What a cliffhanger, James. I, I didn't think we were going to end on a cliffhanger. No. I'll tell you who else didn't think we would end on a cliffhanger. All the cast. Oh, should we should we get a listen to the cast, James? I think so. We've obviously got uh, Roger Reese as Robin Colcord, Jonathan McMurtry as Jim Montgomery, Ron Canada. It's a cool name. It's a good name. As Agent Munson. He also appeared in The Man Who Wasn't There, Adventures in Babysitting, Spencer for Hire, Dallas, Amen, Star Trek The Next Generation, A Different World, Menrose Place, Doogie Howser MD, LA Law, Home Alone 2, Grace Under Fire, Murphy Brown, Babylon 5, Man of the House, Family Matters, Living Single, Ellen, NYPD Blue, Star Trek Voyager, The X-Files, CSI, The Shield, The West Wing, Weeds, Boston Legal, The Office, The Strain, The Orville, and many more. Peter Schreiner as Pete, Michael Holden as Joe, Christopher Darga as Christopher. He also appeared in L.A. Law, Hill Street Blues, Full House, Wings, Family Matters, Herman's Head, Roseanne, Seinfeld, Martin, The Hot Sucker Proxy, The Mask, ER, Babylon 5, Jag, Star Trek, Deep Space Nine, The Drew Carey Show, Boy Meets World, Mad About You, Melrose Place, Star Trek Voyager, Friends, Dahmer and Greg, Will and Grace, Dude, Where's My Car, Diagnosis, Murder, Star Trek Enterprise, Kirby Enthusiasm, Charmed, that 70s show, Boots Almighty, Deadwood, The Riches, Dexter, Lie to Me, How I Met Your Mother, Angie Tribeca, Modern Family, and many more. James Nardini is James. He also appeared in Night Court, Dragnet, Jag, Family Matters, Star Trek Voyager, Married with Children, Criminal Minds, Grey's Anatomy, and many more. Lee Allen is uncredited as... Bar Patron? Bar Patron, in fact. <laughs> uh, Dennis C. Albert is also uncredited as Bar Patron. He also appeared in Hill Street Blues, The Grubs, Lucky, The Stones, The Cookie Thief, and Room for Improvement. He was also a stuntman and worked as the precision driver coordinator for Seven, which I think is quite a <laughs> difficult job. I think it would be, yeah. Uh, Don Bennett is uncredited as bar patron and Joan Carey is uncredited as bar patron. What an amazing cast for an amazing final, James. Yeah, I wonder if they'll stick around. To all see them in a season's time from now. Yeah, they're going, ooh, I wonder what Robin's seen. <laughs> what an amazing cast, James. And I tell you what, I'm looking forward to diving into, obviously we left on a cliffhanger. I'm looking forward to talking about the whole thing in our, like more in depth in our season review in two weeks' time. Yeah, and also, we mentioned uh, last week that it was a chunky season with 30 episodes. Uh, what's, what's the 30th episode of this season? Yeah, we've got a, a wonderful bonus episode, James, talking about your travels to Boston. I get the privilege of interviewing you. Yeah, which, fun. <laughs> <laughs> but for too long, James, you've been in the, the seat of... <laughs> I've been sitting back, sitting, sitting back, you know, uh, just chatting, no pressure. Now I've got to answer questions. Too long you've been leading and steering conversations. I thought I'd, I'd make you talk about your holiday. You stole the wheel <laughs> off me. No, but we've got a lovely bonus episode over on our Patreon covering the history, the sports, and the uh, the food and uh, culture of Boston and talk about James's travels there. And if you're going on a trip yourself there, might be worth a listen for some top tips. I think so. I think we covered a lot. You know, there's an eclectic bunch of activities we did. Yeah, I mean, you talk about donuts a lot, which I think all of our listeners would definitely appreciate. <laughs> I, I do. I do talk about donuts. I listed every donut I ate. 
<laughs> you think I'm exaggerating. So I'm, I'm not. I'm serious. <laughs> so, so just when you thought this was the, the season final, there's always more where nobody knows your name content out there. Is that the trivia bell, James? It is indeed the trivia bell. Thanks, Cliff. <laughs> but as usual, before we open our letters, we have to give a shout out to our norms on Patreon. So this goes out to Treb Curry. If you want that special norm treatment, then check out our Patreon page for that and so much more. Well, I tell you what, James, I've, I've got a good question off the back of that. After Sam got the bar back, he puts up a, a little bit of a sign. What does it say? Under new management? Under old management. Oh. Yeah. Clever. <laughs> it, it compliments the mooses in the picture of the picture. What are the contents of Rebecca's box? Oh, staplers or staples? Staples, yeah. Uh, a, a jumper which was thought to be Woody's but isn't. Yeah, I'll give you that. A nice sweater. Yeah. And um, I want some post-its or something. Uh, index cards. <sighs> so close. There's one more. One more. Uh, oh, the box itself. Okay, yeah, there was one more <laughs> in it. What was in the box? Oh, I'm not sure about the last thing. Pens. No push pins. Ah. Yeah. If I was going to take stuff from a bar, I think I'd be going to the like the, the pretzels and the booze. Those old sneezy pretzels. The bottles <laughs> with the spirits I'd be taking from the back. What does vodka with me? Do you know, I used to work at a cinema and someone took three bin bags full of um, salted popcorn when they left. Wow. <laughs> did they did they live alone? <laughs> I don't know. They, just, they took three bin bags full of um, popcorn. A former line manager of mine was asked if I liked cornflakes. And I went, yeah, yeah, I like a weird question, but sure, I like cornflakes. I went, okay. <laughs> the next day I went, here you go, three kilo worth of cornflakes. <laughs> Don't like them that much. <laughs> Especially not after eating three kilos of cornflakes. I'm sure you liked them less after that experience. Oh, it was an arduous task. <laughs> I didn't have to do it all in one, but I felt obliged to. I tell you what though, James, this leads nicely into my question, because talking of previous uh, bosses, Carla talks about some previous employment, uh, and she mentions a bar that she used to work at. What was it called? Oh, Mm. something tap? The Broken Spoke. Oh, okay. And uh, she confused Sam for the manager of the Broken Spoke, because that manager used to put her up on the tabletop. And, uh... And I don't dare say the rest. Carla said the rest. Maybe we put her quote in instead of what I said. Hey, hey, I know how we should sell Yeah. Why don't you just take me right on top of the bar like you did in the old days? I never did that. And who was that guy? <laughs> oh, that was the manager of the bar where I worked before this. Hey, can anybody give me a ride to the broken spoke? She seemed to have a nice time. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the fact that someone, we never did that. Whereas Carla had wishful thinking. Sam was quite confused about the whole thing, I think. Yeah, but you know. But there's a, there's another bar in Cheers Law for you, the Broken Spoke. What coins do each of the regulars have? Oh. Only three people at Cheers gave coins to Sam. What were said coins? I feel like a, a quarter and a dime are going to be safe bets. Yep. But from who? Oh, well, uh, I can just remember that Woody had nothing. or, or Well, he didn't have nothing. He just wouldn't lend any. Uh, so I'll have to guess. Pete would have given something. Pete gave something. Pete gave a dime. No. Pete gave a quarter. No. What else is there? A cent? Mm, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I don't know, James. You're gonna have Nilpa. to. You, gonna... you didn't match them up correctly. Nilpa. Nilpa. <laughs> uh, Carla was a quarter. Mm. Cliff was a dime, and Pete was four bits, which is what? fifty cents. Oh, why is that? Well, I'm glad you asked because I've got a little-known <laughs> fact. Uh, the bit was an eighth of a Spanish dollar, and this was a Spanish silver real, right? Mm. With decimal currency coming in 1794, the term became vocal only, you know, sort of a colloquialism. Yeah. So a quarter of a US dollar is two bits, you know, mm. uh, being a, you know a bit being an eighth of a Spanish dollar. So there you go. A bit is 12 and a half cents, but that doesn't exist as a coin. So two bits equals a quarter. Therefore, four bits, 50 cents. Maths. Maths. Maths and a little bit of history. Yeah. I like it, James. And you lowballed them. No, that's the main thing to remember. You did lowball them. You could have figured out if, if, if there was a quarter and a dime, you know, 50 cents left. I, I could have figured it out, but I would never have understood how four bits meant that. So I thank you for your research, James. I appreciate it. <laughs> so I. That's the last call at the bar, James. Our last call for this season. We've got our season review in two weeks' time. But until then, what will we be drinking? Oh, whatever Fraser's having. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's a, it's a, I don't think any drinks are named in this episode. That is correct, yeah. Pieces of Eight, is that a drink? That sounds like a drink. Pieces of Eight, of course, being uh, from the same thing. A bit is a piece of eight. Eighth of a dollar, pieces of eight. It's a cocktail. There we go. Of course, it's got rum in it. Pieces of eight. There you go. Rum, passion fruit, lemon, lime, bosh. Sounds good to me. I don't think I've ever said bosh before on this podcast. (laughs) You have. But it's a lovely drink to to send off season eight. It's been a wild season. I'm looking forward to talking about it in a sort of an overarching way in our next episode, James. Gosh, it's been a whirlwind, hasn't it? Yeah, oh, it's been a long season, but I think interesting one with that overarching villain. Mm. Yeah. You made predictions early doors, didn't you? Which we'll discuss. Yeah, I did. I didn't know how long he'd be around for, but he seemed he was going to have a presence in this series. But I tell you what, we can toast this episode because Cheers is firmly under old management. Sam got the bar back. He got it for 85 cents, no less. Bargain. Bargain. I'll drink to that. This has been Where Nobody Knows Your Name, a Cheers podcast. Mm-hmm.